right, happy Easter, everybody. Great to see you guys. Hey, welcome to Liquid. Glad you're here. Resurrection Sunday. My name's Tim. I have the uh, privilege of serving as lead pastor at our church, and uh, we actually have multiple locations across the state, six of them, and they're joining us right now via live broadcast. So would you welcome via live broadcast all our Essex County, Union County, Somerset, Middlesex, Union. We're so glad you guys are with us. Uh, Easter's a pretty big deal around here, and uh, you may have noticed we're talking about something pretty big today. Uh, a huge item I want to talk about, that is a wall, all right? Now, we built this wall for you. It's a big honking wall, yeah? 32 feet wide, 20 feet high, and uh, you guys know what a wall is for, right? It's meant to kind of separate or divide people. It's a barrier between you and whatever's on the other side. Uh, right now in America, there's kind of like a hot debate right now about building a wall. I'm not trying to be political, just like reporting what's in the news. Uh, our government recently unveiled the prototypes for a wall along the, uh, the Mexican border. Uh, you know, the idea is build a wall, secure America's borders. Again, I'm not trying to be political. I mean, who knows if it will ever get built. Uh, if it does, I think we know who's paying. Uh, Mexico with American tax dollars. Okay, that's how that's going to go down. Uh, but building a wall isn't a new idea. In fact, uh, you guys know what is the most famous wall in human history? The Great Wall of... Okay, now look at the person next to you. If they look smart, say, do you know what country that's in? Go ahead, you just, you just ask them there. This thing's 4,000 miles long. It took 1,000 years to build. Actually didn't work. 4,000 miles, imagine that. It actually did not work very well. Uh, according to the historians, China's enemies would actually wait for the guards to pass because they actually had about a mile-long uh, century, and then they would just put a ladder and kind of climb over it. Uh, so it wasn't very effective, but there are new plans to upgrade the Great Wall of China. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, next year, the Walt Disney Company is, is going to China. Disney's breaking ground on a new theme park. And uh, the, this is just, they have plans to give the Great Wall a pretty sweet upgrade. T take a look at the prototype right now. That's, that's, a, that's American innovation right there, okay? Maybe the second most famous wall in the world is the, uh, the Berlin Wall uh, in Germany, meant to separate East from West Germany. That's me in college with my roommate. We, uh, yeah, man, I, had, I was all party hair in the back right there. And uh, we went to Berlin, and I remember seeing the Berlin Wall. Before it had come down, we saw a U2 concert in Berlin. And while we were there, we visited uh, Checkpoint Charlie. You guys know this? This was the crossing point between East and West Berlin, and uh, you know, hundreds of people shot dead trying to get over that wall. But that was the central symbol, right, of the Cold War, this giant wall until American President Ronald Reagan uttered those now famous words, Mr. Gorbachev, what? Tear down this wall. And in 1989, uh, the Berlin Wall came down and freedom came to thousands of people. Now, last one I wanna tell you about is in the Middle East right now. Uh, this is actually in the West Bank of uh, Israel. It's a very unpopular wall, uh, separating Israelis from Palestinian people. It's about 400 miles long. And it's a flashpoint right now, right, in the Middle East. You see all the conflicts between Israelis and Palestinian folks and the headlines all the time. But I think you get the idea, right? Walls are meant to, by definition, divide people. They keep us apart. They're meant to create a barrier between you and whatever's behind it. Now, my question is, have you ever hit a wall in life. You know, you ever heard that phrase like, you know, oh, she hit the wall, you know. Well, the project was going good, but phew, then we hit a wall, you know. I was talking to friends recently, a, a friend of mine, he said, I, you know, I'm kind of at the end of the rope of my job, Tim. I feel like my career has, you know, hit a wall. Uh, or, you know, they seemed like they were in love, but then they hit a wall in their marriage. We, we kind of say that 
Whenever something kind of like pops up in life and it's unexpected and it's this huge obstacle and it's like, man, that thing is like too big to get over. There's no way I will break through that thing, you know, and sometimes we hit the wall pretty hard. Let's be honest, right? Uh, these days I'm hearing a lot from families and people who are hitting a financial wall or a wall with their job. I have people, uh, a guy said to me last week, he said, you know, Tim, I, I have a paycheck, but I have no purpose behind it. He goes, I'm, I'm up against the wall. Let me, let me picture it for you this way. Um, maybe you hit a, uh, a wall in your career or a wall in your bank account. You, you've hit like a financial wall. I was talking to a young couple who just moved here and they're like, uh, we took a pay cut to come to New Jersey and surprise, everything costs double. Uh, and they, they're like, and we got college debt, right? We don't know if we'll ever dig out. They've hit a financial wall. A lot of people hit walls all the time with their job, their career, their purpose. Uh, some of you are like, well, at least they have a job, you know? We've been fasting and praying as a church for 40 days. We've had over 4,000 people. We're just seeking God's face. Why? Because we want to see him break through all these walls in our life. And I believe by the end of today's service, the risen Christ is going to have a word of hope for you. Some of us make us pass the, the job or the financial wall, no problem. We're kind of cruising through life. But then we hit, uh, we hit another wall. I, I would just call this kind of like the relationship wall, okay? So I'm going to draw like a heart here. Uh, some of you, you know, uh, maybe you're in a marriage that actually isn't going so good. There's a lot of heartache in your family. Uh, that happens to pe married people all the time. We have friends, kind of the wheels fell off their marriage. Dad moved out. Mom is reeling. The kids are confused. They've hit a very much a painful relationship wall. If you're single, you may be like, hey, I wish I had those problems. I wish I was married. I was talking to a, a single friend, and she said to me, uh, she said, Tim, I feel like I'm spending half of my income on eHarmony, you know? She's like doing the online dating thing and everything, and, uh, and she's like, and half the guys on there lie. They're married already. They're like looking upgrade or something. I don't know. And, uh, and I was like, well, listen, <laughs> I can tell you plenty of married people, they, they, they're past eHarmony. They want to put their spouse on eBay, okay? <laughs> just like auction that junk off, okay? Like just... Get that prop. They're cut, you know, there's a lot of heartache right now, right, in our world. And maybe you're going through that today. You may be here for Easter and you got your smile on or a new Easter outfit. Um, but inside, honestly, your, your heart's a little bit like that. It's breaking. There's pain between relatives, between moms and daughters, dads and sons, grief and pain we carry in our hearts. I think of my friend Mary, uh, who attends our Somerset County campus. Mary told us that through this fast, she was facing a huge wall with her family. She wanted God to break through. Uh, see, Mary got pregnant at 16 years old, uh, and she gave her baby up for adoption because she said, I can't care for it. I was just a, a teenage girl. That was 39 years ago. And she said, Tim, I have lived for 39 years with this family secret I've told nobody. I carried around all this guilt. I carried around all this shame, knowing that my son is somewhere out there. I held him for six days. Well, Mary eventually married. Um, she actually had five children when she was older, and she never told them about her family's secret. And only her husband knew that she gave up her son for adoption. And sadly, he was abusive. He actually used it to control and manipulate her before they divorced. And Mary said, you know what, Tim? I'm actually willing to share my very personal relationship wall. Take a listen to Mary's story. 39 years ago, when I was 16 years old, I found myself pregnant and really came to the conclusion that there was no way that I was equipped to take care of a baby the way 
a baby deserved to be taken care of. I went into labor. I held him for a couple of days. We went to Catholic Charities. The day I had to sign those papers was probably the worst day of my life. I was hoping that I was giving him a better life. It was never discussed, but I felt dirty and I felt ashamed. Prior to getting married, I felt that if I was entering a marriage that this man needed to know. And unfortunately, that whole pregnancy was used against me. I was told that if I ever told my children or if the children ever found out that they would never be able to believe me again and that they would know that I was a fraud as a mother. It was a, it was a big chain that it was still hanging and I couldn't get, I just didn't know how to get rid of it. The first couple of weeks we were really strong with the fast and my prayer is God's got, I need him to show me or lead me to the right circumstances or the right way to let these kids know. I woke up one morning and I was reading the word. It was like words on paper. I couldn't pray. It was just this humongous brick wall and I couldn't push through. It's just this humongous, you know, brick wall that I, I like, I couldn't push through this thing. You know, there's a lot of people here with, with aching hearts and things that are going on in their relationships. And honestly, before this service ends, the risen Christ has a word of hope that I think actually will heal your heartache. Believe it or not, there are some people that you're sitting in, in the row with right now who can't identify with any of this. They're like, you know, I've never had any, I don't, praise God, I don't currently have any financial issues. There's not really any relationship thing. And they actually think they're going to make it through life scot-free. Like there's nothing that's going to happen, nothing, you know, I'm, I'm bulletproof. And then they get the call from the doctor and that little thing that they thought was nothing turns out it's something. Uh, and they find themselves in the middle of a health crisis. I'm actually going to, I'll spray paint an H here for health. Anybody here with a loved one with health issues? You know, somebody in your life, maybe they got a sudden diagnosis they didn't see coming, they hit a wall uh, or cancer or, uh, you know, just maybe a chronic condition that just continued flares up. And, you know, that just kind of hits you out of nowhere. Uh, H stands for health, for hospital. I'm going to spray paint H for HMO. Anybody hit a wall with their HMO? Okay. Am I the only guy? I, I think God has a special present uh, for the people who run HMOs. They're allowed into heaven, but they only get to stay for three days. That's, that's just my personal theology of that there. Uh, <laughs> all the Aetna people are like, I'm leaving. Uh, you know, on a serious note, for the last um, 40 days, our whole church, we've been playing for a major health breakthrough for a little girl uh, named Leah Hansen. Uh, she's the eight-year-old daughter of Peter and Abby who attend our church. She was completely healthy, picture of health, until four weeks ago, she was paralyzed from the neck down. She was doing no accident. She had a spinal stroke. She was doing cartwheels in the basement one moment, came up, said, Mommy, my back hurts. Abby just kind of rubbed her back. And she said, my arms are tingling, and then she couldn't move them, and then her legs gave out. And they rushed her to Morristown Memorial Hospital to the PICU, and within the hour, she was paralyzed from the neck down, couldn't move. They had her on a breathing tube, and then they had her on a feeding tube because her diaphragm was paralyzed. Now, you can imagine, parents, imagine your child healthy one minute and literally, like, within an hour, paralyzed, devastating to them. And she had a spinal stroke. And for the last 40 days, our whole church, we've just been, like, praying and pleading with God to heal Leah's broken body. We've been praying for a miracle, and I actually have some really exciting news to share with you, but I'm going to hold it to the end of the message. 
So you have to kind of follow along. The point is this. I think you get the idea. All three of these walls like are super huge in life, but notice something about them all. They're all temporary, right? See, there's one wall that nobody's ever going to make it through or get around. Let me use, I'm going to take my, uh, my black spray paint for this one. This one's the one I call, this is the biggest, tallest, highest, baddest wall of all. This is what I call the mortality wall. I'm going to draw like a little tombstone here. And then I'm going to draw rip, because that's what my son says, R-I-P, rip, right? So none of us are ever going to make it around this wall, right? I've got bad news for everyone here. We're not going to make it out alive, okay? <laughs> Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I Googled it this morning, 100% uh, mortality rate, still very, very stubborn there, you know? But uh, it's funny, a few Easter's ago, we hit the mortality wall. Again, this is a very high wall in kind of a tender way for our family. We had to put our, um, our dog, Percy, to sleep. Uh, he was 12 years old. We had him since he was a little puppy. But he's 12 years old. That's 84 in dog years, all right? And he was suffering, so I'm the dad, so I kind of, you know, I draw the short straw, and we're going to have to take him to the vet to, to go to sleep. And that was very hard because Colin and I got him before we had kids. He was like our bridge pet. We're like, if we can keep him alive, then maybe we'll try kids. And um, I was like, and then we had kids. And I was like, this is going to be very hard on the kids. And I was like, I got an idea. Let's tell them at Applebee's. We took them out to Applebee's because I thought that's a happy family place. Can't really make a scene. Uh, and so, you know, we order apps, you know, all the potato skins. I'll have the, the nachos. And, uh, and as, we're, as we're doing that, I was like, hey, guys, got tough news. We're taking Percy to the vet tomorrow. They knew he was sick. He'd been before. And they said, uh, oh, how long is he going to be there this time? I said, well, this time he's not going to come home. And my, my daughter was like, what? I was like, he's not coming home, sweetheart. And she's like, where is he going? And I was like, well, you know, there comes a season for every dog and really for every human. And she just goes, no! And she starts crying. And my son, who was younger, he looks at his sister and he just goes, are you killing Percy? And he starts, he starts crying. And I'm like, oh, this is going very south. I look at my wife for moral support. She's crying. She's like, I can't believe you're killing Percy. I was like, I thought we agreed on this, you know. <laughs> and then, then the waitress comes. She's like, who ordered the coconut shrimp? And we're all a mess. We're just crying, bawling our eyes out, you know. And uh, so we had this, like, debate. Do we, you know, my kids wanted to bury Percy in the backyard. I'm like, no way. My son will dig him up in one day, okay? <laughs> so we compromised. We actually had him cremated. And so about four days later, I get a call from the vet, and he says, okay, you can come pick up Percy. And, uh, and uh, anyone want to pet him? Here, <laughs> here he is. These, these, are, these are his ashes. We brought the box home, and my kids said, all right, we're going to put it above the fireplace, you know, and a way to remember him. Well, that weekend, it's Easter, Grandma and Grandpa come over, and my son, who's seven years old at the time, he takes it down. He says, Grandma, I have a surprise for you. And she goes, what is it? He goes, close your eyes. <laughs> Put out your hands. And he's like, okay. And she goes, oh, a box. She goes, what's in it? He goes, guess. I'll give you 10 questions. And she's like, is it something fun? And my son is like, used to be. Can you play with it? Not anymore, you know? And he had no clue. And, you know, and then he's like, okay, grandma, close your eyes. Open the box. Put your hand in. <laughs> You know, it, ashes feel like sandy. She's like, oh, is it something for the beach? And uh, he's like, Grandma, it's Percy. Grandma went 20 feet in the air. Let me tell you, she freaked out. If I had like a, a video, it would have gone viral instantly. Now, now, here's the deal. Don't feel bad for Percy because here's the truth today. Someday, 
you're going to be in the box, okay? I'm going to be in the box someday. My grandkids are going to ask one day, was Grandpa Tim fun? And they're going to say, used to be, right? <laughs> but now he's in the box. I mean, like it or not, death comes to every single one of us. There's nobody under the sound of my voice who will not face this wall. It is the biggest, baddest, tallest wall of all. You can say, I'm going to avoid it, but the mortality rate speaks against this. Everybody will hit this wall. And if you're smart, you've probably had a moment where you said, well, when I hit that wall, I wonder, what's on the other side? Like, if I actually make it through, what's going to happen when I hit the wall? Well, the Bible gives an answer. The Bible is crystal clear about the wall of mortality. The book of Hebrews says very plainly, look at this verse, it says, it is appointed for men and women to die how many times? Once. And then comes what? So any ideas about like reincarnation, you know, I'm going to come back 10 or 12 times, or maybe I'll get a second chance, it ain't going to happen according to the Bible. It's appointed for us to die one time, and then we face what's on the other side of the wall. I'm going to hit it. You're going to hit it. Uh, the person next to you is going to hit it. Even Jesus himself hit it on Good Friday 2,000 years ago. You can't avoid it. But here's the truth. You can prepare for it. And I would suggest you prepare for your date with the mortality wall by getting to personally know the only person in human history who broke through that wall and made it to the other side alive and lived to tell about it. Amen? Jesus Christ resurrected reigning on high, proving he is the Son of God. Now, I like how Jesus himself said it. In John 11, Jesus made this promise to you. He said, Jesus said, I am the what, church? Resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, Jesus said, and believes in me will what? Never, ever die. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? Jesus is like, I, I get it, this wall is imposing, but it's not as permanent as it seems, okay? There's actually life on the other side, there's, there's hope for the wall everyone's going to hit. Again, let me strongly urge you to consider the words of the only person in history who made it through this wall and lived to tell, raised to life. You know, respectfully, we have people from all different backgrounds, and, and we're grateful if you grew up in a different religion. I've always had struggled uh, with, you know, with folks who believed in religions where the founder of the religion, as maybe good a person as they were, as smart a teacher, as insightful their principles were, they died and stayed in the grave. You go to any cemetery in the world, right, and you're going to see tons of tombs, and everyone is full. But if you flew, if you hopped on a plane right now, and you flew to Israel, and you, stood, you could stand in a line today outside of Jerusalem, and you would see the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. It's empty, Amen. He broke through the wall, he conquered the grave, proving he's creator and Lord. And he says, I can do the same thing for anybody who trusts in me. I can give that resurrection power, I can give eternal life for all who believe in my death and resurrection. That's the promise of Easter. Jesus promises, he says, everyone who believes in me will never ever die. In other words, I can show you how to get through this thing. Jesus is saying, if I can break through that wall, you think maybe I can help you with these temporary ones? But you first have to break through the biggest one of all. See, the Bible says that there is a giant wall separating every single one of us from our Father in heaven. That's called the wall of sin. And let's be honest. We all, sin is just falling short of God's ideal, okay? Every one of us falls short of God's ideal. Any perfect people here, okay? Because if, like, get out. This church isn't for you. <laughs> we're, we're not a perfect church. I always tell people, if you find the perfect church, 
Whatever you do, don't join it because you'll wreck it, right? Like we're all imperfect. The Bible says you were not actually born good. I know that's a popular thought. Like, well, I'm, you know, just the good nature. No, we're born into sin. And we go through life trying to do our best. Is, but the truth is our sin separates us from our Father in heaven. He is our Father. He loves you. You were created by him and for him on purpose. But here's what Ephesians 2 says. It says, remember that at that time you were what? Separate from Christ without hope without God in the world. Can you imagine going through life with no hope? You have no idea? Look at all the evil in our world, all the bigotry and the racism, the sexism. We are like a violence-soaked culture. Like, what hope do you have if there's no hope in God? So sin separates us from God, but how do you break through the wall? Well, the reality is most people try to get through the wall (laughs) with a little nasty thing. This is a dirty word, but I'm going to spray paint it anyway with a little thing they try called religion. And you may be like, that's a dirty word in this church it is, because we're a church that's all about grace. Grace is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, amen? I'm not beating up religions. Religion, what I'm defining it as, is a man-made attempt to earn our way back to God. Like if I just, maybe if I do just enough good things, maybe if I, you know, uh, give a little bit to charity, if I coach Little League, I can prove to God that I'm worth saving. And hopefully, you know, my good outweighs my bad, right? That's what religious people think. They say, well, you know, uh, I was, uh, you know, I was valedictorian. I tried my hardest with the gifts God gave me. And then I, I graduated college and I provide for my family. And, you know, I'm a pretty, pretty good husband, you know, or, you know, I was a Girl Scout mom, you know, and, and I gave a little bit to the poor. And, well, here we are. I hope I did enough. How's that going for you? The truth is, the Bible says everything we do falls short. There is nothing that's going to bridge the gap and get us over that wall. It doesn't matter how good a person you are. Are you good enough? You know what the Bible says? Even your best deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of God because they've been polluted by by pride and self-interest and ego and all these things. So what do you do? If you can't break through it with religion, the answer is, You can't break through the wall. You have to have somebody else break through this thing for you, amen? And that's exactly what Jesus did. See, God isn't just holy. God is perfectly loving. And he loves you. He created you to be his son or daughter, but you're separated from the Father by your sin. And so God said, I'm going to send my son down to break through the wall and die in your place. Because I don't want religion. I want a relationship with you. Look what Ephesians says. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought what? Near through the blood of Christ. Why? For he himself is our peace. Jesus, who has, what did he do? Read this together, big loud voice. Destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. See, because Jesus lived the only sinless, perfect life in human history, only he has the power to climb up on the cross and die in our place and be raised to life. The cross was essentially God's way of saying, you know what? I'm done. Religion is over. I want a relationship with you that can never be taken away, and so I'm going to put my son on the cross to hit the wall for you in your place. He's going to be the one who breaks through. It's going to be the cross. That's the only way to the Father, and you've got to understand this. God proved his love for you, his heart for you as a son or daughter of God 2,000 years ago. How do you know? 
when his only son hung on that cross for you, he bled for you, he died in your place, it was God saying, how much do I love you? This much. I love you so much it hurts. The cross is God saying, I'd rather die myself than live without you for eternity. But you see, the story doesn't end with Jesus dead on a cross. Easter points us to hope beyond the heartache to the empty tomb. It tells us there's now hope for eternal life with God because Christ conquered sin and death and hell. Amen? Easter says there's hope. Easter says there's salvation. Easter says there's a second chance. There's new life because Christ has broken through. See, this is not just a metaphor, folks. Scripture says that when Jesus died on the cross, there was a giant earthquake that tore down the wall. Look what Matthew writes in his gospel. He says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was what? Torn in two from top to bottom. I want you to imagine this. The Jewish temple didn't just have a wall. It had a curtain that was 60 feet tall, so twice the size of this wall. And it separated the people from the Holy of Holies. No one could go in. They, they die instantly. And literally, when Jesus died, it says that 60-foot wall was torn in two from top to bottom. Matthew says, the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. So understand, the cross was an act of explosive love from the Father. It was God's battering ram to break through through his children who were separated from him. Now, I don't want you to just hear these words and miss their meaning. I want you to see them for yourself in technicolor. So let's turn out the lights and revisit that dark day 2,000 years ago. cross is the power of God breaking through the darkness with the light and the hope of salvation. The cross, the cross is God saying, it is finished. All of your guilt on that cross, all of your shame on that cross, all of your sin on that cross, and nothing will separate you from me again. Amen? That's what the cross is. It's the Son of God doing what we could never do, breaking through that wall of sin and reuniting us with our Father in heaven. He says, now anybody can have the love and forgiveness of God. It doesn't matter what you've done or what your past is like. Nothing exists outside the forgiveness of God. Ephesians says, for Christ himself is our peace. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between you and God. You know what the cross is? It's the cross is God saying to you, you may be broken, but Jesus has broken through. Amen? John 3, 16 makes this promise, for God so loved the world. Why did the Father do it? Because he loved you. He loved you. He loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, the only son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'd rather him die than lose you forever. 
And whoever believes in Jesus Christ shall not perish. But what do you receive? Eternal life. What happens? When you trust in the death of the Son of God and his resurrection, you get adopted into God's family. You become a fully forgiven, set free son of God, a daughter of God. You're no longer lonely because Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And in God's eyes, you pass from death over to life, eternal life. You don't have to worry. Was I good enough? I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm just going to make it up there. It's it. you, like, I didn't, can't do anything, Jesus. You did all of it for me. All of this was done for me. And when you get to heaven, you say, I, I can plead nothing except the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the proof that I'm actually adopted into the family of God. See, guys, you don't have to fear the future. You don't have to walk through life wondering, am I a good enough person? You can have a guarantee of the hope of heaven. Your future is secure, and you get new power to live in this life. You know what the Bible says? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So, so you can pick any of these smaller walls, your health crisis, your relationship stuff, and Jesus is basically saying through the cross, hey, if I broke through that, then maybe I can help you get through this, amen? This place is filled with people who have had their lives changed by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We've been fasting and praying for 40 days. We've been asking God to break through some pretty big walls, and we've seen Jesus do it. You know little Leah, eight-year-old girl with a spinal stroke? We've been praying, we've been praying Mark 5, 41, because Jesus encountered a little girl who was actually dead, and he said, Talitha Kuhn, little girl, get up. And we've been praying, God, may your resurrection power raise little Leah up, Lord. Give her back her life. Well, I've got incredible news. The week that you started praying is actually when she first wiggled her toes and got feeling back in her arms, and this week, Easter week, they took out the breathing tube. The breathing tube went out. The feeding tube went out. The IVs, every tube, every needle came out. And two days ago, on what day? On Good Friday, Leah was released from the hospital back to her parents. <laughs> Praise God. That's what, what can God do? That's what God can do. Yeah, you praise him. In fact, this is kind of cool. Leah wanted to thank you, so her dad texted me this little video for you. Check it out. Thank you for praying. That unbelievable? Doctors, doctors were shocked. They said on Friday, said, to be honest, we thought it was a spinal stroke. We still think it is, but it's weird. People don't typically recover like this. We know what it is, amen? It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ touching her body. Because with Jesus, all things are possible. He can heal a broken body. He can heal a broken heart. You remember Mary? She carried 39 years of guilt and shame for, for her son that she had and, and, and farmed out for adoption. Four decades of guilt and shame. And she was praying during this fast that, that God would give her the courage to actually tell her children and remove that guilt and just give her peace in her heart. Well, last Wednesday... This is crazy. Out of the blue, one of Mary's adult children said, hey, mom, can we I just sit down for a minute? And she said, yeah, what's up? This is a crazy question. Did you have a baby in high school? Turns out her oldest son had been on Ancestry.com and did a DNA test and got an email from another man on Ancestry.com who was searching for his birth mother. And the DNA said that they were maybe brothers or first cousins. And the man's name was TJ. And Mary started crying because she had named her son Terrence James. And he said, would there be any way that I could meet you? And last Saturday, at a diner in Somerset, New Jersey, mother and son 
were reunited by Jesus. Watch this. It was just this humongous brick wall and I couldn't push through. I just closed my eyes and I thought, okay, God, I need you on my side. And as he came over the wall, the wall crumbled. A few days ago, Christina asked me, mom, has anyone in our family ever given a baby up for adoption? And I just crumpled, quite honestly. I, I couldn't even answer her. I just, I don't think I've cried that hard in a very long time. And said, mama, it's okay. It's okay, mommy. I love you, it's okay. The son that I gave up for adoption had been looking for his parents, for his mom. And to have this man email my son and say, please tell mom, not please tell Mary, please tell mom that I love her and I appreciate her. And when she gave me up for adoption, she gave my parents and myself the best gift that we've ever received. God knew the how much I wanted to hold him in my arms. And I mean, those are dreams and, and, and hopes that are so deep that you never give voice to them. And God knew. His love for me is so powerful and so abundant that shame went away. Not only did he let my kids find out in a way that I never even dared to hope for for 39 years. And so he took my prayer and turned it into this life-altering experience. Praise God, right? Only God. That's only God. You didn't make that up. How did... Only Jesus Christ could break through and, and, and answer a prayer like that. See, when you trust Jesus Christ, you get a new power to deal with walls in your life. God can do what you could never do in a million years. God can heal broken bodies, and God can heal broken hearts. Amen? You may be here today, your heart is broken, there's unforgiveness or bitterness or envy or jealousy, there's been divorce and brokenness in your family, and God says, I could actually fill that in. Could you imagine living wholehearted for the rest of your life? That's the power of Christ in you. It's the salvation power of God. Understand, the cross says, there is no wall too tall, there's no wall too high, too wide, too deep, that I can't get through, amen? So who's ready to walk through a wall today? Guys, I don't, I don't know what, what wall you're facing here on Easter, but here's the deal. Before you ever try to, to break through any of these little walls like this on your own, God's like, maybe before that, you need to break through this one. <laughs> you, maybe you need to actually walk through that wall and receive the gift of salvation. See, guys, it's Resurrection Sunday. And I can't think of a better moment for you to settle the issue of your eternity than by walking up to this cross to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you walked in here today and you're like, I hope I get to heaven because I'm a good person, you ain't going to get there. The only way is coming forward to this cross and saying, Jesus, I believe you paid for my sin. I believe forgive me. Now receive. Give me new life. So you have to receive that. How do you receive salvation? It's very simple. Jesus broke down this wall to offer love and forgiveness to you. What do you have to do? You just have to come and receive it because it's a gift. That's what grace is. It's a lavish gift that you don't earn, you don't deserve. But he says, here it is. Just come and get it. Receive it by faith. 
The Bible says we walk by faith. And so in a moment, if you want to receive that gift, I'm actually going to ask you to walk forward, to take a walk of faith. I'm going to ask every person under the sound of my voice, if you want to receive Christ, be reunited with your Father in heaven, to get up out of your seat and physically walk to this stage as a symbol that you are coming to Christ. I'm going to ask you to come forward to the cross, okay, in about 30 seconds. It's a way of saying, Jesus, I see you came to rescue me. Now I am coming to receive you eternal life. I want you to remember, what you believe about Jesus in this life determines what happens in the life to come. It's not karma. So I want to invite you to receive that gift of grace. So here's what I want to do. Would you stand to your feet right now, just everybody, all our campuses, stand up to your feet. If you're here today and you're like, Tim, I, I need a fresh start with God. I'm carrying around some junk. Maybe there's some things in my past I'm not proud of. Maybe you realize you've been guilty of religion. <laughs> Your own self-righteous acts that I'm going to, you know, be a good person, which actually diminishes what Jesus did on the cross for you. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat, out into the aisle, and walk to the front of this stage. Why am I asking you to come forward? This isn't like some weird altar call. Just dozens of people are going to be coming forward. But here's why. The first thing Jesus did on Easter morning is he stepped up and stepped out of that tomb. And he walked and he said, every person he called, he called publicly. And he said, I tell you the truth. If you will acknowledge me publicly on earth, I will acknowledge you publicly before my Father in heaven. If you deny me on earth, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. So to understand, you have to decide now what to do with this. What are you going to do with Jesus? You can't say, ah, I'm not sure. To not decide is to decide. Jesus says, you're with me or you are against me. You're trusting in yourself or you're trusting in me. So I want you to be thinking about that as I pray right now. And I believe there's people here this morning who you're going to step over from death to life in the eyes of God. You're going to leave here a new creation in God's sight. Amen? So let's just bow our heads and invite the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now for the people who are about to step forward, God. They may have come today and not been planning to do that, Father, but you've been speaking words of hope to their heart. And this is their moment of salvation. Lord, let them just know it's okay, it's safe. You are here and your arms of love are open wide. I pray that as they open their eyes and see this cross, they will be drawn to Jesus and their life will change forever. So come Holy Spirit right now. I pray that you would give men and women, children, the courage and conviction to step forward by faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now is that moment to make it personal. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat. So in the aisles, would you make room for people coming down your row? And if you're ready to receive the gift of salvation, I want to lead you in a prayer. So would you come forward now? This is that moment. All of our campuses, if you're ready to respond, this is how you become a Christian. This is, yeah, give a hand to men and women who are coming forward. Praise God for you, man. It's awesome. Praise God. Welcome for you guys. There's no hurt that Jesus can't heal. There's nothing in your heart that can't be touched by Christ. So you come forward. Would you make room? There's just people. There's dozens of people coming forward. Praise God for you. Give them one more hand. That's awesome, guys. That's awesome. This is the best decision you're making. That's a breakthrough decision. You're going to leave. You're going to leave knowing without a shadow of a doubt you have the promise of heaven forever. Nothing can snatch you out of the hand of God again. He's going to forgive your sins. You're going to have the hope of heaven. 
Anybody else? Come on down. There's still people coming. Make room, guys. Oh, I love it. We don't have room. Move on in. Come on. Just squeeze in. Squeeze in. Just squeeze, squeeze on in. I love it. I'm going to lead you in a minute. I'm going to ask uh, if anyone wants to rededicate their life to Christ. Because I know on Easter there's always people who are like, Tim, I was once close to, to God, but I've fallen away. I, I drifted away. Can I come home? The Father says, welcome home. You come, ho you come forward. You rededicate your life to Christ on Easter. He's always given a second chance. Anybody else? Awesome, awesome. Just come forward. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It, it's a simple prayer. These aren't magic words. It's just be sincere in your heart, and you're going to speak to your Father in heaven and know he can't wait to hear your, your lips. But you repeat these words after me, okay? I'm going to pray out loud, then you repeat the words after me. In fact, church, we don't want anyone to feel left out, so can we all pray out loud together? All right, let's bow our heads right now. Holy moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you for each of these persons, Lord. They are your precious children. They're coming home to you. If you're ready to receive salvation, I'm going to ask you to pray these words. I'll say them out loud, and then you pray with me. Ready? Here we go. Just say, Heavenly Father, it's Easter Sunday, and I admit I need you. I admit I'm a sinner. But today I trust Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. I turn from my sins. Forgive me and save me. I believe you are raised from the dead. Fill me with your spirit, Jesus. I receive the promise of heaven, the gift of eternal life, and I commit to follow you all of my days. In the name of Jesus, who is alive and coming again, amen. Church, welcome new believers to the family of God. That's awesome. Look at, praise God for you guys. That's very, this is the best decision you've ever made. I'm serious. Listen, 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 listen. This is so cool. This is the best, this is the best decision. We're not going to give you a t-shirt for this. <laughs> Receive eternal life. You will never have to wonder again. You have such hope now. You have the risen Christ living in you and is for you. Easter is the best day to become a follower of Jesus, a Christian, what we call a Christ follower here at Liquid. And here's what we're going to do. There are people right now who are actually mingled among you. Some of them have a, have a red lanyard on, some prayer ministers. They're going to get your name because we want to pray for you by name this week. So can you guys hang out here? We're going to grab your name, and then we're going to follow up with you this week because your next step is to get baptized. We're having a baptism service in four weeks here at Liquid. That's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. You identify with his death and resurrection. So I can't wait to see some of you in the hot tub. That's going to be fun. Um, some of you are like, I didn't sign up for that. It's all right. Just real work with you. That's cool. So let's do this. Prayer ministers, would you just introduce yourselves real quick? Make sure you get a card from somebody. Go ahead right now, prayer ministers. Just hand out cards. We'll get your information. And as they do, we're going to close with a final worship song. Who's ready to tear down the walls? Let's tear down the walls. Clint.